Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sibling, son? Buck up, Bart. Buck up. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hi. What up, though? It's uh, it's good to be back, I guess. Good to have you back. You're kind of <laughs> tan. I am tan. I'm very tan. It was... Uh, I was in Northern California, for those who do not know, um, although I talked about it because I was really excited to do it. Uh, the wife and I did a, a full road trip down to San Francisco, Monterey, Santa Cruz, and just kind of wandered around Northern California. So the crazy thing is I had never been to California before in my life. I had never once stepped foot in the state of California. And it's just one of those things. I, I grew up on the East Coast, so it wasn't like a place that you go to regularly. I had been to Arizona. My dad had a business trip out there that he brought us to. Oh, I, be, I had been to Vegas once as a, as a younger person, but um, never to California. And I always wanted to go, and I knew how close, quote-unquote, it was to, to driving there. We just had to commit to doing it. And this year we're like, let's just do it. You pick a really, it. You picked a really cool place to go to because if you've never been to the Bay Area, it, it, it's dope. Beaches it was, and bridges, It man. was incredible. I, I love San Francisco. I love Oakland. You know, there's there's something fresh about that area. Uh, San Jose, like that whole, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, area. You can, you'll find some hood parts, though. You know, don't, you don't want to venture too far. Like, I, I ventured into East Palo Alto, which you think, like, oh, it's just Palo Alto. Man. Stanford East, and Silicon yeah. Valley. East and- Palo Alto is kind of the hood, mm. and you, you, you don't really know about it. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of great things happening in the Bay Area. So did you get a chance to, like, swing by, like, Google? or like? No, no. We we tried our best not to take the car out of the garage once we got to the hotel because everything is expensive there, um, driving-wise. And we had already spent a lot on gas getting down there. But uh, we just walked everywhere, and my legs were so sore because of the hills. But it was awesome. I, I got to say, I, I, I haven't been to every city in this country, but... San Francisco is up there now is one of my favorites. It was, there's just something about every single place you look, you see water and bridges, right? Um, Every single hill has like 50 views that are amazing. Just at every little angle, you could turn your body. It's another amazing thing. Great food from what we had. Uh, We did touristy stuff. So, I mean, it's not like we got the true vibe of the city necessarily, but that's fine. I wanted to do touristy stuff because guess what? We were tourists. Uh, so we did Pier 39 and Fisherman's Wharf and all that kind of stuff. We went to Alcatraz, went to a Giants game. We drove to Monterey, which was a gorgeous city. We went to the aquarium there, which is my wife's favorite place in the world, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Santa Cruz had an old boardwalk, which reminded me of my childhood going to the Jersey Shore. Everything about it was awesome, and it was gorgeous weather there, and we didn't get, like, anything bad. It was 60s and sunny the entire trip. Yeah, it can it get kind of chilly. It was and, amazing. Uh, in San Francisco, but... yeah. Other than that, like, there's everything about that city for the most part. You know, it, it really reminds me of Seattle, or I guess Seattle reminds me a lot of 
San Francisco in the sense that uh, like of all the hills and kind of the architecture and some of those things, especially right around like the marina area and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of that and everything much bigger though, but I absolutely love Frisco. I'm, gonna, I'm glad you got a chance to see it. It reminded me of Seattle in some ways, but I just liked it so much better. Oh um, yeah. I mean, Seattle's great. And I, I enjoyed my time in Seattle when I went for the first time too, but it's nothing like, I mean, there was something, I don't know if it was because it was a vacation. It's, it's like Big Brother. There was know, like a vibe of just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Why can't we live here? Oh, because it's really expensive. Oh, yeah. You've, you've got to get a job at Google or, or Facebook. You or have to Instagram. be software engineer yeah, of some that's sort. That's the only way there. you're going to be able to afford <laughs> living down there. You just, you're not going to be able to be radio host unless you work for, you know, one of one of the big boys and you're like on TV and right. everything every day, then you can pay. But the problem is is that all the suburbs are expensive too. It's just expensive to live there. There's no there's nowhere cheap. No. There's nowhere and we complain a lot of time about Portland rent and it sucks here. You know, I'm I'm currently trying to find a new place and it's it's everything is incredibly expensive. So but there you're paying a lot for not a whole lot at all. Yeah, you're paying for like no space, but you're paying completely up the wazoo to, yeah. to, to get it. But be, beyond beyond it. the prices and the gas is more expensive there and there's tolls, which I forgot about, and they're expensive. You know, just besides that, and I mean, everything was expensive. It was vacation too, which doesn't help. But beyond that, it was it was awesome. It was a great trip. I loved road tripping it. For some reason, I just love the road trip aspect of it. You're not on anyone else's time. You're just on your time. You get there when you get there. You can schedule side stops. Like on the way home, we took Route 1 on the coast for a while. We went through five different redwood forests, um, went through places, parts of Oregon I had never been to before. Uh, we drove through like Cave Junction. It's well, well on the border down there, right, but I've never heard of it. You're a little too tan to be driving through places, you know, that you ain't never been before. <laughs> um, but it was, it was awesome. It was such a great trip, and I... For anybody who hasn't road trip down there before, I'd certainly recommend it because it's really cool. I haven't been on a road trip in, in quite a quite a while. I'll be real; like, I hate driving. Um, what I do, I do. The furthest I'll drive, I'll, I'll go to BC, you know. But um, like Vancouver, BC. Yeah, but outside so of what's that, that, like, like five hours, yeah, about hours? six, just okay. to give or take. It depends on how fast you're you're going. Okay. So if you're me, then safely six. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get there. You know how long I was in the car yesterday. Or two days ago now? Oh, like 16 hours. Oh, it was awful. Crazy. We left at 8.30 from Santa Cruz and got back 3 a.m. Which And you're trying to convince me that this is a good idea. To, well, to take a beyond the last couple of hours on I-5, like a, if, it was Unless great. you had like a hyphy van or something like that. Like, I don't really. Yeah, I can't. I, if we're road tripping, we're road tripping in something big. <laughs> Just because I need space. You know, you're six foot five. You know, we're, we're, we're going to need room. Jesse, I, you're 6'3". Like we're all gonna need room if we're gonna road trip somewhere. We drove through. Last mountains. time I road tripped, it was in my my staying down to Vegas. Two oh, days, that cooped seemed, up in that. That sounds awful. It was awesome. I love road trips too. Road trips are the best. Yeah, they're pretty great. It, I'm, I'm not going to disagree, fellas. I really feel like there's this, there's generally a pressure on vacations to do everything that you wanted to do, mm -hmm. right? And that includes making your flights, <laughs> getting there on time. When you drive. And I don't know if it was just like because we drove, it kind of set this, this like attitude for the both of us. But the whole trip was just like, all right, let's go do something. You know, we, we had a couple things planned, obviously, but it wasn't like, all right, now we got to go here, and we got to go here, we got to go here. It was just like, yeah, let's wander. We'll, we'll make it there at some point today, and we did. And it was take awesome. the Amway. <laughs> we'll take the train. Yeah, I saw that too. I actually, Which is we, actually really cool. If we drove next to it down in Klamath Falls, it was like following us for a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, take a train. It's fun. Now, actually, I've never taken a train for like long distance anything before. That would also be pretty fun because you don't even have to drive. You just sit there. You do whatever you want. There's no, you don't have to pay attention to the road. You just, eh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. We got a text here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. It says, bro, leave at midnight and you'll be in San Fran by time uh, by time for breakfast. True. Easy road trip. Um, it was, I, outside of a couple of sections, I-5 was very simple. We just didn't take I-5. We went to Bend the first night, so we took whatever highway that is out of Bend all the way down through Klamath Falls and through Mount Shasta and stuff. And then on the way home, we took all the coast highways all the way back up through Eureka, Oh, my God. Eureka was awful. <laughs> what no. a terrible place to be. There are certain places that just absolutely suck. Um, and then we drove through Redwoods to, like, Cave Junction and into Grants Pass, and that's where we got on five. So, yeah, it'd be really easy if we took five the whole way, but also really boring. Yeah, so. five five's quick. I mean, it's it's like a, a really quick 10-hour drive. It, it, it makes that San Francisco road trip really Give easy and quick to do. Give me I-5. Uh, I'm not doing scenic. You don't scenic. want the scenic routes? No, no. Get me there. Come get on. Me, get me the hell out of this car. Um, Do you know the views we saw? Yeah, or set, it feels like yesterday on Friday. The views we saw, incredible. Man, this is gorgeous I don't views. Care nothing about them views. You don't want to see the redwood forest? Not been there. You don't want to see the sequoia trees and how large they? I had never seen redwoods or sequoias before. I'm, I'm from Oregon. We've they're pretty seen, great. Seen them before. We go that way. No, I mean, they're only like barely. In let Oregon. me get through this part. That's the that's <laughs> that's the boring part. You know, let me see the stuff that I want to get there to see. All right. Well, I'll just poop in my party thing. I'm just, no, I'm saying that's for Appreciate you. It. I'm glad you had a great time, though, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Uh, so this is Sports Sunday. I have returned this week. We've got a lot of basketball and other stuff coming up on the show. There was a huge, huge trade in the NBA yesterday. And it was kind of rumored the day before, but it happened yesterday. The number one pick is switching hands. We'll tell you about the trade and how we feel about it. That's coming up next. Uh, since the show was last on, the Warriors wrapped up the NBA Finals over the Cavs. Uh, I'm sure it's been beat to death this week. I didn't hear much about it because I was gone. But we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in the future of the NBA uh, in terms of how you need to build a team, at least while this current Warriors team is going. Uh, we'll also talk a little Oregon State Beavers baseball. They win yesterday. And uh, we've got a little bit. Oh, the fight is happening. That's right. 10 o'clock hour. We'll talk about the fight. I don't know if that's the official name for it. But no, Conor, McGregor, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather Jr. It's happening. And um, should we care? What does this mean? We'll be talking about that in the 10 o'clock hour as well. Plus, hater to love it coming up at 1030. Text us on the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. Find us on Twitter at Tenny to the Fan, at Mike Lynch 27, at TaylorMade503, and at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N, and tweet at us there. And also, happy Father's Day uh, to you. And, Appreciate um, it. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers listening out there and to my own dad and to all of the dads listening. I hope you guys have a great day. Do whatever it is you want to do. Whether that's sit back and watch the U.S. Open final round or barbecue or go to whatever it is or go golfing. Um, hope it is, hope you get to do whatever it is that you want to do today. Um, all right, coming up next, huge trade in the NBA. The Sixers now hold the number one pick in the draft. We'll discuss next here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9-16 on your Sunday morning. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor, Jesse Osmond with you until 11 o'clock today. Plenty of stuff to come. Text the Bridgeport Pierce text on at 55305. But the big story of the day yesterday was... That reminded me of the Beatles for some reason. Yesterday. Um... Mm -hmm. 
So the big trade was the Celtics are trading the number one overall pick in this year's draft, which they have thanks to the Nets and their awful trade that they made uh, for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett back in 2013, question mark? A little bit little bit further back than maybe than that. Um, where they'll trade the number one overall pick to the Philadelphia 76ers for the number three overall pick. And what I saw yesterday was two other picks. Um, I, I feel like I've lost one of those in the reports I've been reading, but at least one more first-round pick, which is either going to be next year's or 2019's, depending on protections. It could be the Lakers pick or it could be the Kings pick. Again, depending on protections, people seem to think it will be the Kings pick in 2019. And then I did see reported, and I haven't found it again, 2021 first-rounder that is unnamed so far. So that could be part of the deal as well. So just for ease, I will say the Sixers traded three picks for the number one overall pick in this year's draft. All first-rounders, um, including the number three pick in this year's draft. Initial reaction thoughts. What When you first saw this, what was your, like, oh, first thought? They must have a plan was my first thought. And what that plan is, I'm not all the way sure. But I, I thought De'Aaron Fox would, would have been a, a great fit for that Philadelphia team. You know, I don't know if I'm tripping on that part, but I thought he would have he would have been a nice little. Was he for sure the guy who was going to? I mean, who was, who was the, who would they have going? There? I'm, let me pull up the the mock draft. But I don't know. I, I it showed that they needed they wanted a point guard to kind of pair with uh, Embiid, who I think should have won the MVP. Or excuse me, the uh, the rookie of the year, even though he only played like 22 games. But in those 20 20 games, he had. You know, he averaged 20 and 10. And they still have Ben Simmons, too, who didn't even play. Who who hasn't played yet, you know, and who was the number one overall pick in last year's draft. And if you saw Ben Simmons play in college, then you know how good he he potentially uh, could be. But uh, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Josh Jackson, any one of those guys probably would would have been um, a good fit with that uh, Philadelphia roster. But I think they saw something in Fultz. They knew they wanted to move up and take him early. So... You know, there you go. Like, there, make no mistake about who everybody thinks is the best player in the draft. I know we've been talking a lot about Lonzo Ball, and I think, you know, LeVar and his crazy-ass personality has a lot to do with why we talk about Lonzo so much. But I think right now as we get closer and closer to the draft, you're starting to see why people kind of value Markel Fultz so much as the number one pick. My initial thought was great trade for the Celtics. That was my initial thought because in my mind – Moving down two spots in this draft, and again, we we don't know, but everything we've seen from the experts who have been following all these players, this is one of the best drafts in a very long time in the top 10. Moving two spots down to get just giving up one pick, and that's it, number one, but one pick, I think was a great trade for the Celtics because, frankly, they just don't need that much. They were the number one seed in the East. Sure, they need more. They're not a you know, the best team or anything. They got smoked by the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's not like they need the number one pick where the number three pick will help them just the same. And that's why I think it was a great trade. Um, Markel Fultz, from what I've read, is supposed to be a transcendent talent. I've seen stuff from scouts saying that he... It's not whether he's going to be good. It's whether he's going to be great. Yeah. Which we haven't seen that in a while at the top of the draft. Hey, man. If you haven't seen him play at all, and mind you, I've seen uh, a few Washington games this year for, you know, my own kind of selfish reasons, but 
he's the truth. And I know, like I said, we've talked so much about De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball and, you know, some of the some of the names you've heard all year, Josh Jackson. Man, this kid can hoop. Like, pay no attention to Washington's terrible record. I don't think he's to blame for that. But he was more than exciting. He was, I mean, really, he, he reminds me of what Derrick Rose was when he was at Memphis. Maybe not as explosive as D. Rose, but he reminds me of what he was when he was playing for Memphis. That's a good comparison. That's a, I mean, if he could be healthy Derrick Rose, then awesome. Then, yeah, that's, that's that guy amazing. won the MVP. You know? Yeah, one so, of the yeah. best players in the league when he was healthy. So that would be great for the Sixers. And, look, I, I don't dislike the trade for the Sixers either. Don't get me wrong. I, I say this is a win, a huge win for the Celtics. Um, I like it for the Sixers because they have so many assets, remember, because they trusting the process by Sam Hinkie just brought them assets after assets after assets, and they got first-round picks, and they got a lot of stuff because they wanted to keep doing that. They can use some of those to now try to form their own young big three. Again, we don't know much about Ben Simmons because he got hurt, um, but assuming he's as good as the number one – because remember, LSU sucked with him too. It was very mm -hmm. similar to Markel Fultz very where he similar. was a very good player, but LSU wasn't a very good team. Yeah, and Simmons it was a situation like Fultz. He put up all the numbers – uh, visually, it's all there. You know, aesthetically, you can see that he is clearly the number one pick. Um, I, I think Lonzo can still be a, a better overall player just because I think Lonzo right now, as a 6'6 point guard, you know, you can't teach 6'6. You can't, you can't teach some of the court vision that he has. You know, as an actual point guard, I would go Lonzo. But as an overall ball player, I think Markel Fultz has it. Well, it all depends on what how your team is, you know, built and in, in – Boston, he doesn't make uh, he doesn't make sense doesn't because make sense. you have Isaiah Thomas, who um, is more of a scoring point guard, and a lot of your offense is you know around him. Where in, in Philly, it makes sense because you do have all those pieces. You have centers and wing players that you want to distribute the ball to. You know, you want to get that ball to Okafor. You want to get the ball to Simmons out there on the wing. So you want a distributor as opposed to somebody who's going to be your dominant uh, scoring point guard. So it. it you know, but for some reason they want Fultz in in Philly. I think I think what you would you would see is Lonzo would fit really good there in Philly as far as a distributor. I don't see how it makes sense so so much in um, Los Angeles because they don't have those guys to distribute the ball around. I know they've taken uh, talent, but you they don't necessarily have I think the offensive talent that Philly does as far as that base talent to distribute the ball to. So I, I, I think ball actually would fit better in Philly. Markel Fultz would be a great star down in L.A., but they're going to flip-flop it. Uh, text to your thoughts to the Bridgeport Bridge text on at 55305. This text, Boston doesn't need it. What about Philly? There aren't that, they aren't that different from each other. This is a shuffling deck chairs in the East. I think they're very different from each other. Uh, it's easy to forget because they – kind of stumbled in the playoffs a bit and Isaiah Thomas had the situation with his sister and he got hurt and it was all sorts of a mess but the Celtics were that close that close to being able to challenge the Cavs in the East the Sixers were not nowhere near um I know Embiid got hurt which didn't help but if you look at the Sixers and, and Jesse talked about this during the break outside of some of their good young players their team is bad like really bad um they've got great potential Right, and that's what they've been feeding on for the last few years. Ah, oh, we'll just trust the process. Great potential. We have to see it come to fruition first. So, to me, the Celtics are a better team by far. I think this will help the Sixers kind of leap back into the playoffs. I don't really know what that means because the East is kind of bad at the bottom. They could be a six seed for all I know. But 
it's the kind of the beginning of the ascension for the Sixers, whereas the Celtics are already top mm -hmm. one, two teams in the East. Yeah, you, they just need a couple of pieces. Yeah, you look at the roster of Boston, and it's clearly just a piece. It's clearly better than anything they have in Philadelphia. Now you look at Philadelphia's the top of what's going to be their roster with when you add a Mark Hill Fultz, and yeah, I guess you could say that they probably have three three better overall players if we think the Mark Hill Fultz and um, Ben Simmons are going to project to be the guys, the number one picks that they're supposed to be. Which we just don't know. Be, which, yeah, we just, we don't know yet, but if we, if Ben Simmons can show you what he showed you in the summer league, I think he'll be just fine. If Marco Fultz can pay anything like he's played, you know, at, at for his one year at UW, I think they'll be just fine. But you look at what the Celtics have in, in Amir Johnson and now Horford and Jay Crowder and Jalen Brown and Isaiah Thompson. They've got a team. They're That's very why, deep. They are. The one thing they didn't have is any help on the perimeter. And I think that's what Markel Fultz... a little more rebounding. Does, yeah, exactly. But Markel Fultz doesn't help with either one of those things. No, Josh Jackson does, where and, you can and, play and, him at the two and, and the three. Yeah, absolutely. Who well, you can get at number three. And also uh, Jason Tatum, <laughs> which is uh, where, uh, some, a name that we've started to hear a lot more as we move Duke's into the draft. Duke's power forward, yeah. Absolutely. They're, they're guys that can probably play that position. And who's to say, like you said, there might be a, a waiting list of people to come to Boston. That might have been why they moved down, because well, well, now we know that there are some guys that want to come and play here. Well, so here's the text. The other one I was going to read is if they feel, I feel if they don't mind getting the third best NCAA player, Celtics probably have a line on a free agent. Yes. Um, obviously, the Blake Griffin rumors have been abound for years. I don't know. Blake Griffin, I feel like it would be a dud just because of injuries. He just cannot stay healthy. How about Gordon Hayward? How about the guy who played for Brad Stevens at Butler, who is, I shouldn't say stuck in Salt Lake City because the Jazz are good now, but is in Salt Lake City. He can go to Boston. He could be with his old coach on a team that was just first place in the East and now has the number three overall pick in the draft. Gordon Hayward might be going there. Absolutely. Boston is one of the teams that can get all of these free agents who are going to be out there. So dropping two spots in the draft will give you a player for the future, which they already have a bunch of. Don't forget, uh, Jalen Brown was the third overall pick last year. Yes, he and was was roundly ignored by NBA fans, but it was actually a pretty solid player. You know, nothing spectacular yet, but was good. Uh, you've got Marcus Smart, who was developing a little bit into a good defensive guard, which is something every team needs. Avery Bradley also does that for them. And uh, you've got a, a Jerebko or Jerbko, or however you say his name, was a young, young draftee from the year that played minutes. Uh, you just you have guys who are part of the depth there. You don't need a number one pick on that. You didn't. And, and you're crazy if you believe that Brad Stevens and Gordon Hayward haven't had some contact with each other, you know, whether uh, it's having lunch. Tampering? I mean, whether it's, I mean, you can't <laughs> tell me I can't talk to my old coach or whatever. So, I mean, uh, you can't tell me they haven't had lunch or something, uh, an, inst an, an instance where they don't, there's no paper trail. There's no emails or text messages or anything like that exchange. Just, hey, man, you want to have lunch? Yeah, let's get together and have lunch and let's talk about you know, next season. You're crazy if you believe that that doesn't happen. We heard Draymond Green say after the NBA Finals, he was in his locker and he was crying and he called Kevin Durant season, I mean, and said, hey, man, we want you to come play here. We need Wasn't you. that a cool article? It, it, it was a cool like article. It, it was a really cool article, but it also... Lee Jenkins is so good. It, it showed how, how much they needed to do to beat LeBron. And I think that's where everybody in the league is right now is how do we beat LeBron? That's shifted now to how do we beat Golden State? Exactly. Uh, we got. A, I got a couple more thoughts on this coming up next, and then we'll switch gears to the future of the NBA, which we kind of alluded to there with the Gordon Hayward-Blake Griffin talk, but the future of the NBA 
now that the Warriors are a very, very scary reality for the next few years and already have been for the last three. Uh, we'll discuss that next, but first, Jesse has SportsCenter. Sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Bridgeport Beers text line is 55305. Oregon's original craft brewery. I you can, can use one of those right now. Text your thoughts. Uh, I could, but the amount of beer that I drink over the trip, I'm like, I need a detox really quick. I need a couple of days where I just do nothing. Hey, man, it's happy hour somewhere. Shoot me a beer. Get Jesse a gluten-free one. Let's get this party started. 9.33 a.m. Shower beers. Hey, man. Yeah. Shower beers work. That's fine. I love shower beers. They're, like, the best. Can I can I say something? Go for it. I don't like shower beers. Why? Because. You don't like, you get water in your beer? Well, I just, I mean, yeah, why risk it? We're tall, Lynch. How do you, why is, why is your beer, like, in the water? Where is my hand? Where am I holding it? Why are you holding it? I'm drinking it. Yeah, you don't have a place to like set it. Well, I mean, of course you sit well, it. Wait, so how do you pre-funk before you get ready to go out? Because I have at least two shower beers. I I just drink after the shower. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I love the idea of it. It's like such a perfect idea in my head of like your showers are great. They're comfortable. You can drink a beer in there. But I don't know. I mean, I'm tall, correct? But you, know, you take a shower, the water sprays. I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like Unpopular a, opinion of the day. I, like I don't having, like shower beers. I like having a few drinks in the in the bathtub. Like, mind you, I'm six foot three and a half. It's hard to <laughs> Dude, fit. I haven't fit in a bathtub since I was tub. like twelve. Yeah, and it's hard to fit in any normal tub. When I do get a chance to get into, you know, a tub that actually fits, pour me a nice glass of Cavassier and have some medication, and then, man. Cool. Cool beans. Just chill. Yeah, man. It's awesome. This text says I need a bigger shower. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I mean, my shower's normal size. But yeah, if you have a big shower, great. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't get it. Get in and out of the shower. Ten minutes. Go drink your beer after that. And be, drink be your beer in the shower. Two birds, one stone. Sometimes three birds, one stone. <laughs> if you have two beers in there. Beer so, before, I'm during, all about the and after. There you I'm go. All, I'm all about the turn up. So Again, I love the idea of it. I just don't think it's very practical. I'm a very practical person. Yeah. Actually, as you're That's drinking, you're actually sweating at sweating it out as well. So it's like it's like a dual purpose. Okay. So I'm you're just saying sweating it's, out it's, the beer. It's science. Yeah. Look okay. It, look, it's look it up. <laughs> look it up. Um, by the way, on Facebook.com slash ten eighty the fan, I posted about the uh, Sixers trade. So go ahead and give your thoughts there as well if you'd like to be on the book of faces. So a couple of things I just didn't get to, I wanted to throw at you. Here in this segment, I wanted to start with this, and Jesse found it during the break as well. These are the Celtics' future first-round draft picks now after this trade. You ready? Let's hear it. This year, they have Philadelphia's first-round pick. Next year, they have their own first-round pick, the Lakers' first-round pick, potentially. Remember, that's a that's the possibility with the, with the trade. And the Nets' first-round pick, again. Then in 2019, they have their own first-round pick, the Clippers' first-round pick, and potentially the Kings' first-round pick, and the Grizzlies' first-round pick. 
That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Eight or nine picks. And only one of those picks is from a team that's going to be in the – I think we can agree Memphis is probably going to be near the playoffs, in the playoffs-ish, you know, they're kind of falling right. apart. The Clippers are falling down now. Yeah. We so. don't know how their future is going to go. In two years, that just seems like, well, Clippers are going to be back to being what the Clippers were again, you know. They'll probably be a little better because they got a lot of money invested in them now with, with Balmer. He'll be willing to spend. But it won't be it won't be the same big three situation unless they can draft well, too. But, oh, my God, all of those first-round picks in the next few years. And we've always kind of joked recently about Danny Ainge just stockpiling picks by not doing anything with them. But we've talked about this with the Blazers. If you just have a chance yeah. to get that player, who cares if you miss on like four of them? If you get one or two transcendent players out of those eight or nine picks, it doesn't even have just good players, great players. That's amazing. And they're already the number one team in the East or number two team, excuse me, but they finished first. That's, that's easy to say. They're already the number two team in the East and they have all those first round picks. That is, is incredible. It is. Bravo, Danny Ainge. It is, absolutely. And if you didn't think Danny Ainge was a great GM, you know, we've heard the stat that he's only got one all-star over the past X amount of years. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we, one thing we have to remember about Danny Ainge is he kept the Boston Celtics afloat and competitive for years. You know, they they, they didn't have... They weren't in the lottery back in 2003, 4, 5, and 6 because, man, the Celtics were competitive, you know, at that time. They had the one year where they uh, – I think two years when they were down, and then from there they got the – what we knew as the first big three. Yeah, 2006, 2007, they had the seventh overall pick and the fifth overall pick took Randy Foley and Jeff Green. So now, Jeff Green was at least good. Just, and, and I think the Blazers traded uh, – wait, Randy Foley was – that's who the Blazers initially drafted, right? And then they traded for Brandon Roy. Uh, was that that draft? Yeah. They, they okay. traded, we dra uh, the Blazers drafted Randy Foy and then traded for Brandon Roy. And they also drafted they also drafted Tyrus Thomas and traded it for LaMarcus Aldridge. So, very good. That's what a good GM was able to do. And Kevin Pritchard did that for the Blazers. And Danny Ainge has put his team, who's already incredibly competitive, in a position to where they're just going to keep stockpiling with young talent over the next four years. That's awesome. Well, and when you say that oh, Ainge, it, this is a big thing that Colin keeps bringing up. Ainge hasn't drafted any All-Stars in X amount of years, uh, X amount of picks, whatever. Uh, we keep saying here in Portland about how Dame keeps getting snubbed for the All-Star game. It's hard to be an All-Star. Not as hard in the East, but it, it, still... Yes, it is. It's it's hard to be an all star. So when you say and you're right, it's not as hard in the East, but it's still hard to be an all star. You still have good players in the East. They're not as stacked on the teams, but there's still a lot of good players in the East. So it's it's not like you just just because you're the best team in the East, you're just stacked with all stars. It just means you have a really good team right now in Absolutely. Boston. And Avery, Avery Bradley is as I'm not going to say as good a two guard as you'll find in the East. But Avery Bradley is a lockdown defender, for especially for an undersized guard who's really explosive and can finish around the basket. And he can knock down that open three. He has to be wide open to knock it down, but he can definitely knock down that open three. Well, and he's a guy that's never, probably never going to make an all-star game. But he's still a really talented player. So this has been floating around the Twitter sphere the last day or so. And it's people saying, who cares about all their first-round picks? Danny Ainge can't draft, right? And it's just a list of their draft picks since 2010. And here's just some of the names, and at least in the first round. I'll ignore the second round because you know you know how that goes. But Avery Bradley, Marshawn Brooks, Fab Mello, RIP, 
Jared Solinger, Lucas Noguera, James Young, Marcus Smart, RJ Hunter, Terry Rozier, uh, Ante Zizic, Gershon Yabusele, and Jalen Brown. So that list is going around, and everyone's going, wow, they haven't drafted anybody. But look a little deeper. They've only had, since 2010, at least on that list, and since 2007 in reality, they've only had two top 10 picks. They've only had two lottery picks. And those two lottery picks were Marcus Smart at six, who has turned into a valuable rotational player for them. Uh -huh, he's not as good as he was supposed to be, but he's a very good defender, and he was improving a little bit. He, was, he hit a lot of threes in that Eastern Conference Finals win for them. He was important for the one win in that series. And Jalen Brown, nobody talked about him. I, I mentioned him last segment. Nobody talked about him. He was a really good first-year player for, remember, rookies aren't good anymore. <laughs> rookies need some development for the most part. They have a little bit of a rough times in their, in their rookie year. Those are the only two lottery picks he has made, and they have both been solid. They have neither have flopped. So now he's going to have all these lottery picks coming up. It's a lot easier to hit in lottery than it is to hit 15 and down, which the Blazers will find out this year likely. And especially when the draft isn't incredibly great. You look at when he drafted, I don't know, let's go back to uh, Rozier, you know, Terry Rozier. Who else would he, would you have wanted after 15 if you're the Boston Celtics? I mean, Rashad Vaughn or Jerry and Grant, man, Rondé House Jefferson, perhaps. No, not really. And so for you got we have to remember that some of these drafts just aren't very good. And they're like, getting worse. I mean, and, this and, year is great, but in general, the drafts have just been getting worse. Yeah, and so you have to understand, like, when he's picking, he's picking what he considers the best player available at that point. But, you know, when, when it comes to being in the lottery, for the most part, he's, they've done okay. Like you said, Marcus Smart, Jerry and Grant, Jeff Green was a draft pick of his. Jeff Green, I believe, is still making noise in the NBA. Randy Foy, I think, is still in the NBA. Like, these are guys that were drafted in the lottery by, by him, and they're still kind of kicking right now in the NBA. So it's not to say that he's completely whiffed on any of these guys. We, we just have to understand they're going to be 24 All-Stars a year. There are 300 guys that play in the NBA. So 24 guys are going to be picked. There are 30 teams. Like, I mean, there's not even an All-Star per team. And it's hard to dethrone these all-stars that are basically perennial all-stars. That's a lot of what the NBA is. Chris Paul's always an all-star, you know, like LeBron James, always an all-star. These guys are perennially in that spot. It's really hard to dethrone one of these all-stars. So when you're, when you're saying this guy hasn't drafted an all-star, that's not saying much because we know we have an all-star caliber player in Damian Lillard. And the only way he's made it is by being an alternate. So it's just, that's kind of a really mute and unvalid point if you ask me i just don't i just don't want this to be a thing where people are ragging on the celtics picks because sure they haven't picked amazing players constantly but if you look at the actual draft picks and the numbers it's really hard to pick good picks that low in the draft absolutely so when they've had good high picks and danny age has been there since 2003 and i'm not going all the way that far back but if you're using that as a you know lottery picks as your as your guide then they've actually done pretty well. Not great. It's not like he's the best drafter of all time, but he has drafted good, solid players. And if you have the free agency buying power like the Celtics do and the ability to attract players like the Celtics do, then you don't need to hit on everything because no. you have a little bit of a backdoor to get into to the playoffs again after that too. There's one team that drafts well every year, and it's the San Antonio Spurs. Outside of the Spurs, and they always pick a guy that you're like, who? And then the season starts and you go, oh, okay. That's why they picked him, the 29th pick 
every single year. You know, so outside of San Antonio, everything else is a crapshoot. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get. Golden State had a really nice run and got themselves some all-stars, you know. Like, they drafted Steph they, and Clay and Draymond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some teams get really lucky. Some teams have, really, you know, really good GMs. I, the thing is, is you're they ragging on Ainge, and you go, well, what about Philly? Philly's been, you know, a top three picker for how many years in a row now? Like They've gotten one and a half good players out of it. Yep. Uh, at least that we know of. Um, and Embiid can't seem, can't seem to stay healthy, and it took him three years to figure out exactly what he was going to do anyway because he was overweight. Um, so just let, let's, let's sit back and watch what the Celtics do. Um, they've been trying to trade picks the last few years. If you remember, there's been reports of them attempting to combine some of their picks to trade. I wouldn't be surprised to see that again with all the picks that they have. So it's not like they're done. But number one pick will likely be Markel Fultz of the Philadelphia 76ers because of the trade that they pulled off just yesterday. I love draft trades. And the draft is what, Thursday? So Mm -hmm. I love draft trades. I hope the Blazers can make one work. I've seen some rumors about them with the Nets a little bit more which I liked a lot, and um, I saw some rumors in general about picks that they could trade and players that they could attach to it. There was an article I saw about Myers Leonard being attached to a pick to go to the Nets, and I was like, yes, <laughs> perfect. Good. I saw one, ever, Evan Turner attached to one. So let's let's get some of these draft pick plus big salary trades going because the Blazers need some help in that, in that department. Um, and we'll talk about that draft, obviously, more next week since it is on Thursday. All right, coming up next, we will move into the Warriors slash future NBA talk because they did win on Monday. We didn't get a chance or they didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So we'll talk about that next here on Sports Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So since this show has last been on the air, the Warriors wrapped up the NBA Finals with a win in Oakland in Game 5. What was the con- – I'm really curious, actually, before we kind of dive into the, the futures topic. What was the conversation on the show on that Sunday? Because they had won. The mm-hmm. Cavs had won. They kind of blew them out in Game 4. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting that after – they blew the lead and completely crumbled at the end of game three. They were kind of expecting them to just be like another blowout for the Warriors. What was the conversation? Was it just a, eh, it's the only win they'll get, Warriors will win, or was it, oh, the Cavs kind of looked a little good all of a sudden? It was, I think it was a little bit of both. I think for the most part, at least from my end, it was, okay, what can the Cavs do to make lightning strike twice? You know, like so. And three times. This was, yeah, this was the, <laughs> this was really the second game that we've seen from the Cavaliers where they looked all the way interested and all the way woke on defense and so the end of game three that damn kevin durant and did that you just damn jump woke on the radio i did i did <laughs> i did stay woke people stay but woke. uh you know kevin durant and that damn jump shot of his it's just so wet and he knocked it down into game three game four cleveland finally looked like they were ready to play they finally looked uh interested involved in the game and they completely blew him out you know a lot of that was one thing I was saying is Golden State got cute. They thought that the series was over. The champagne was, they probably passed the champagne as they were on their way in, uh, into the arena and thought that this was going to be an easy game and the Cavaliers were going to lay down. And the Cavs did what they should have been doing all of game one and two and rough is that's roughing them up. You know, making sure that every single time Steph came around one of those screens, he felt it. 
and making sure that every single time, um, you know, Clay got an open look at the basket, like he, there was a little extra jab, you know, there was a little extra toughness from Cleveland. And if they can do that again, we've seen it before. We've seen Cleveland come back from a, a deficit and win. But we, I think we all knew better. You know, the difference in this team between this team and the team from last season is number 35. And number 35 is better than the other 350-some-odd players that are in the league except for one, you know. So you put him on that team and you don't really have a chance. I think we all just kind of knew we were waiting for the, the, the impending death of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They just the gentlemen sweeped it. Yeah, we just we knew it was coming. And I think it was like, okay, well, for us, good, because it's the first, second good game we've seen kind of competitive or whatever. It wasn't really good, though, because they blew them out. I mean, they it, won was by like 20. it was good because you saw some life from Cleveland. And all of a sudden, you saw the Warriors' first loss. I think there are a lot of people that did not, did not want to see Golden State run through this finals and go undefeated. Oh, well, that would have been so awesome, though, historic, right? I didn't want to see that. They've already made history once. I want to see it was already historic in the way that they did it. I mean, they only had one loss through the entire playoff. So that in itself was like an, a historic feat. And I mean, there were so many things that you could point to in game four that, okay, Steph's not going to shoot that way again. You know, the whole team as a whole, they shot less than 30% from three. You're just like, they're, they're not going to do that again. And then when you put in the fact that they're going back to Oracle, Oracle arena, and they just don't lose at Oracle. You just you just knew this was going to be a five-game sweep. Now, Rashad and I don't think talked about this on the air, but we talked about it before the show, that we did have that feeling that it was a, a must-win. Like, they had to win that game to keep that, that feeling of— The Warriors had to win game five? Yes, in order to kind of keep that feeling of, uh-oh, this is happening again. Um, but I, I think that was just a really, you know— overthought thought right there but there was kind of that feeling in a way just because you know you saw it a year before of them being in that 3-1 situation and losing so so i guess i'll we're kind of coming up on a break here and we'll, we'll talk about the future next segment but um just kind of my final thoughts from I, I didn't watch the entire game five i watched some of it during dinner when we were when we were there and it was we kind of watched generally midway through the first quarter to halftime is kind of what we saw and I knew from that part of the game that the Warriors were going to win. You didn't need to see much. No, they were yeah. they were hitting the shots. The crowd's energy was incredible, and you knew that the the Cavs weren't going to really have that shot to to wrap up the game. But my my final thought was this: everybody all of a sudden started going, "Well, is Kevin Durant the best player in the NBA now? Is he better than LeBron? No, he's not. Uh, LeBron has single handedly." with a little help the last two years, brought the Cavs and whatever team he's been on to the finals. Kevin Durant could not do that until he went to the Warriors. Now, this is not an indictment of KD. I'm actually one of the very few people I feel like who was completely in support of what Kevin Durant did this offseason um, for my own reasons. I've talked about it before. We don't have to go in, into it here, but I understand why you would think it's it's weak, but I, under, I, I just don't agree with that at all. But just because Kevin Durant played really well against LeBron and LeBron looked lost on defense at times and LeBron showed his age a little bit where he was a little bit slower. And that's true. It's okay. He's, he's getting older. It's, he's not going to be a robot forever. It doesn't mean that Kevin Durant all of a sudden is the best player. It means that KD is not the best matchup for LeBron. He's quicker. He's got a really great silky smooth jump shot like you talked about. And it's just hard for LeBron to guard him, but it doesn't mean that he's better. So that was my one takeaway. My other takeaway was... I almost feel like this was never in doubt 
people were talking up the Cavs like it was possible because they just they looked at last year, they looked at the Warriors crumbling from when they were up three to one, and they almost forgot that the Warriors were up three to one and without Kevin Durant. And Draymond got suspended, and there was the Steph Curry injury, and there was all sorts of things that happened that kind of helped the Cavs come back. But you forget that the Warriors were almost basically should be three Peters now if they didn't blow the lead with potentially two, three, four more to go in a row. Like it could be the greatest stretch we would have seen if they didn't lose that. It still might be, to be honest. Um, but so that was, we all forgot about that. We all wanted the Warriors to lose because you don't want the super team to win. You don't want to see the, the team that Kevin Durant went to with Curry and, and Draymond and, and Clay Thompson to win again. But you kind of saw it coming. The Cavs showed weakness in the regular season. The Cavs had a rough two games against the Celtics when they were already blowing them out and Isaiah Thomas got hurt. There was weakness there. The Warriors had yet to show that. And that was my final thought was we already kind of knew this was going to happen. Even if we didn't want to believe it, we knew it. Mm -hmm. So that was my final take from the series. Warriors were destined to win this year with the revenge card, but Kevin Durant is not better than LeBron James. Yeah, No, no. Kevin Durant's not better than LeBron James. And even still, LeBron had a... Yeah, LeBron averaged 30, 33 points. He was incredible. Rebounds, 10 assists, uh, two and a half steals, uh, or excuse me, a steal and a half. Like, he did everything he could for his team to, to stay competitive. Now, mind you, KD averaged 35. There's nothing you can say about a dude that averaged 35. Well, LeBron had games of 28, 29, 30, 31, and 41. I hated, like, though, in game five at the end. I watched a little bit of the end, too. It just, LeBron just drove. He didn't pass. He just kept going for two. And I, it was working, right? He was scoring. Every, the Warriors were almost just giving it to him. Like, look, you take your layups, man. That's fine. But it, I kind of hated it. It's like, it's LeBron, you have teammates to help you. You don't need to go one-on-one every single time down the floor. But, I mean, but, but I, I mean, whatever. It was working. But they, I think, lost, and I, and but I think that's the way, if you're LeBron, let's say he does this in the first quarter, in the second quarter, and just heads to the rack every single time. Like, I think the, the beauty in LeBron's game is that he is so unselfish. And, you know, and so it's weird to see him kind of say, man, F it, I got it from here, and I'm going to just drive, and I'm going to just try to create for myself. Like, I think had he done that through most of the series, I think it looks a little different. But he is he's one of those guys that understands if I get Kyrie involved, we, we got a chance. If I get Kevin Love involved and he, he starts hitting that jumper and he's getting confident, man, we have a chance. J.R. Smith, it's weird. But you want him falling away, taking that three-pointer and everything. That's his shot. It sounds strange. It sounds crazy. But just like Michael Vick was better throwing the ball on the run, man, J.R. Smith is just better shooting the ball on the move. That's just who he is. So what I think LeBron understands, get those guys involved, things work better. I think at times he just needs to be have a little more Mamba in him, have a little more Jordan in the, in the, in the sense that I need to offensively take this game over. Well, Which he tried to do. It just didn't work. Yeah, Lynch, you you alluded to this. His his age is starting to show, and we all know that. I mean, very small little increments, little yeah. bit of increments. You know, early in his career, he could be this super LeBron throughout the entire game. He could turn it on in the first quarter, and he could turn it on in the fourth quarter. You see him now, where he's kind of taking over the game to start the game, and he's kind of driving that entire offense. And by the time at the end of the fourth quarter, when the game's really on the line, he just doesn't have it anymore to turn that on anymore. He has to learn to turn that around. And like Rashad said, you, you need to get your your other guys involved. You need to get Love and Irving and J.R. Smith involved early in game, get their confidence going. So in the end, you can really take over that game and and try to secure a victory against it. I mean, that's the only real way to get a team like Golden State. 
That'll do it for hour number one. Coming up next hour, we will do Hate It or Love It. We will talk about the fight. And we will also get into the future NBA discussion, which I've been teasing and we just haven't gotten to yet. That is next. Trust me, we will get to it. What will the NBA look like now that we've seen the super team of the Warriors win and it looks like they're going to stay together for as long as at least the next two years, if not longer, if they can finagle their salaries into a way that, that fits? We already heard KD say he's going to take less to help keep the team together. What will Steph Curry do? What will Klay Thompson do? That'll be next. And what will the rest of the NBA do uh, to try to counter that? That's all coming up next here on Sports Sunday on The Fan.